Hello, and welcome to another edition of Artists on Artists. It's the Glass Tire Podcast, where we have one-on-one conversations with artists and art professionals across the state. I'm your host, Christopher Blay, news editor at glasstire.com. My guest today is Fort Worth-based artist Raul Rodriguez. As an artist, he investigates communities and cultures like skateboarding, boxing, and lucha libre, as well as social justice topics linked to the Latino identity. His projects reveal the layers and complexities of his personal and cultural experience as a first-generation Mexican-American. In education, he has worked with museums and organizations like the Oak Cliff Cultural Arts Center, Make Art with a Purpose, the Dallas Museum of Art, and the Modern Art Museum of Fort Worth. From 2019 to 2020, Raul was a Carter Community Artist at the Amon Carter Museum of American Art, and he's also a 2020 Nasher Sculpture Art Center grant recipient. He is the editor and founder of the photographic platform Deep Red Press. Raul Rodriguez, welcome to Artist on Artist. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, man. Uh, since I started this podcast, I've been meaning to chat with you. I'm glad that we're finally getting the opportunity to do it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've been following you along, too. Um, I think it's a great new addition to Glass Tire. And yeah, I've enjoyed all the conversations that you've had on here. Thank you, man. I'm trying to remember when the last time I saw you or talked with you, because I had since I moved to Houston, I've kind of been up there once or twice, but with COVID, mm-hmm. I haven't really kicked it with anybody and there hasn't been anything going on, but... Yeah, it's been a while. Let's just dive right into it, man. I want to okay. get give our audience a sense of your work and, you know, how things are going with you right now, but I want to talk about your portraits, you know, your portraits go beyond an interesting face or a unique personality, but they they kind of get to the core of who you're photographing. Your The subjects are part of, you know, in the context of their environment. Uh, tell me tell me about your approach to, to making pictures. Well, first of all, thanks, man. Um, yeah, thanks for saying those, those things about my work. Um, and specifically the portraits too. I think uh, I enjoy taking photographs of, of people um, and especially the people around me that I feel like wouldn't otherwise kind of be seen or something like that, you know, people that I run into sort of on the daily um, that I find a lot of beauty in sort of their their characteristics and stuff and their characters. But um, yeah, I am a photographer. I've sort of feel like I've always been interested in, in portraiture, you know, and using my camera to capture people. It seems like you're not going too far from home, like, or too far from the familiar. You're, it feels like it's coming from a a place that you know. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I feel like I've always been kind of, kind of an observer. I think I'm, I'm very comfortable just observing, yeah, the people sort of around me, um, like the communities around me too, where I grew up in Fort Worth. 
Yeah, I guess I would say that I'm just interested in showing showing them in, in kind of a different light, you know, an, an artistic light uh, with my camera and stuff. And yeah, you, you're right. It, it feels very familiar to me. And it's not, it's not hard, but it's also not easy. You know what I mean? No, explain. Just, it, it's hard to approach people um, to take their picture. But I think because I have this kind of familiarity with the situation that they might be in, the kind of community that they may be involved in too, it, it, for me, it does feel a little bit easier to approach somebody who to me may, may appear like that and, and ask him for a picture, you know, because then it becomes this thing where it's like, I'm the one that's interested in, in taking this photograph, like kind of truly, you know? Yeah. And, and I think the way you describe it as being uh, easy and not easy, I think it shows in the kind of investment that you make in the subject of your work where you, you return again and again to photograph the people and the locations. And it's not just a, <laughs> what I like to call like a, a drive-by shooting where you're like hanging out the window, photograph something interesting, and you're actually there on the ground and you're, you know the people that you photographed. Even if you haven't known them forever, you, you, you have a connection with them when you're making these kind of photographs. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that, you know, that's part of the ethics of photography that I think we have to continue to carry and, and to show, you know, there's a term called parachute journalism. You know, it's typically in, in photojournalism that happens overseas where they send in a lot of, you know, un-American photojournalists to take pictures of, of war or poverty. Um, and it's just something that is I feel like it's just incredibly unethical to do. And I think over the last, you know, decade or two, we've realized how damaging that is to, to images, you know, and to, I think the development of photography itself, you know, like now we expect these photographs to show us this incredibly different piece of, you know, of whatever somebody else is and it others people, you know what I mean? So I think I, I like to take a different approach and, and just reach out to, to where I feel comfortable and where I know that I can like show the true, the true face of something. Yeah. And I think we can make the distinction between the kind of photorealism and documentary style that is part of your approach and an editorial style, which is the sort of photojournalistic style, but even in those cases, or especially in those cases, the ethics of showing as much truth as possible still comes into play. But you've, you've, done, you've done some editorial work. Yeah, definitely. I am sort of a practicing photographer for, for publications and stuff. Um, I haven't quite... I feel like this kind of stuff started to kick off right before COVID and then, you know, the pandemic happened and it really just cut off a lot of opportunities and a lot of, um, you know, I put a lot of things on pause for sure. Um, but yeah, that's, that's definitely like being able to, to go out and sort of get to know someone or a community or go cover something and take photographs there. I've always been sort of 
trying to take my, you know, like my career path into that, um, into that field yeah. a little bit. Uh, we have a similar background in photography. Uh, I got my BFA in photography, and I remember like my earliest memory of a camera or of a photograph is my dad had this old Polaroid. I think it's like a Polaroid 180, you know, with the peel apart film and it was all black and white. And then I remember this like black and white photo of me and my, my siblings in front of our house. I think we we're playing kickball or something. That photograph is long lost, but I still have a memory of it because I, I grew up with it. What was your first memory of being connected to photography and maybe like your first camera experience? Ooh, that's a nice question. No, I like that. And I do remember exactly what my first camera was. And it was also a Polaroid camera. Um, and I was in fifth grade. You know, I really wanted a camera to take pictures of my friends before we all went off to middle school and maybe even to different schools. So I got this little Polaroid. I don't even I don't even think you can find them anymore, but it was like this really I don't even remember the name of it. But you would it was a it was a specific kind of a Polaroid camera where, where you would slide out the film like sideways. Like it wasn't it wasn't through the top mm. and it wasn't through the front. It was through like the side of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's and is it the one where you you had to like peel it? I think so, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a similar kind of like the one that I was just talking about. Yeah, that's my first memory or, or that's my, that's the first camera I ever had, I believe. Yeah, that Polaroid camera. And you know what? I only used it for like a day because I think I got just got really frustrated that I couldn't figure it out and the pictures weren't coming out good, you know, and I, I guess I just put it, put it off to the side and never used it again. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny uh, I have a, a similar story to that where I studied photography first at Tarrant County College and I remember checking out a Yashica twin lens camera with the 120 film and I saw you know I, I got a good demo on how to load the, the damn thing and then I <laughs> I took it out and I was going to shoot and I loaded the film in daylight, but I kept sort of winding past the paper because it has a protective paper backing. So the film isn't exposed to light, but you're supposed to wind that, <laughs> wind that in the camera. And I was winding it out, you know, with the camera back open and oh, obviously, yeah. yeah, I didn't get anything. <laughs> it was a total disaster, but yeah, I totally get that frustration. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I was so young, it was just one of those things where if you, you know, you just want something to work out for you, and I guess that camera didn't, um, but yeah, it wasn't until high school that I just sort of, that I started to get really involved, and uh, just really enamored with photography, and I, you know, got to thank my high school art teacher, Donna Lasker, because she just really encouraged me to uh, take photographs and continue to do it, um, it was kind of one of the first times that somebody told me that I was good at it, you know, like you're really good at this. And that made me feel like, like it just made me feel kind of like an artist right away, you know? So I got to thank her. I got to thank those experiences for, um, 
pretty much put me on this artistic path now. Yeah, that encouragement is so vital for artists. I think if you're starting out, like I started out in my early 20s and most of my peers had already, you know, had photography classes. I didn't grow up with any kind of art classes uh, to speak of, but that once you, you get into it and like, I remember my first show was at, um, I don't know if you remember the coffee house, but it was this uh, coffee chain in Fort Worth and they had a store downtown in Sundance Square. And that's where I had my first, <laughs> my first uh, art show. And I sold a photo for 250 bucks. And that was oh like, God. it just blew my mind. You know, yeah, the awesome. manager walked by as a valet at the Worthington Hotel and the manager walked by and said, hey, man, I got a check for 250 bucks for you. And <laughs> I, it just it blew my mind that I saw I should have like framed that thing or taken a picture of it that I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or frame frame. Yeah. Frame the uh, yeah. The check like never really cash it. Just. <laughs> No man, I needed I needed that. To <laughs> yeah, like there's no way. <laughs> yeah, maybe if it was nowadays when you can like scan it to your phone and then keep yeah. the check, but no. Yeah, a photocopy of it. <laughs> okay, so those were your early days. Uh, what was? Do you remember your decision uh, to go to college for photography? Was it a a hard decision or were you already pretty much on that path and decided you're going to do it? Um, It was, I think I was already on the path. I knew that I wanted to study art and photography just happened to be like that kind of gateway into it, you know? So I think I, I think I knew kind of right after high school that I wanted to go to college for art. And I applied to, you know, a lot of a lot of colleges, I think, during that time. And I got into a few, which I was really happy about. But, you know, I think whenever you grew up, whenever you grow up kind of low income, like a lot of a lot can happen that can deter you from that sort of straight to college kind of path. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. You know, like you, you end up having to work instead of go to college or take care of family or something like that. And so I think that happened to me and I didn't actually go to college until like maybe two years after, after I graduated high school. Um, and it was, you know, it was a, it wasn't a difficult process, but I had to do it on my own. So it, it sort of extended, you know, like the involvement and, and the time that it takes. Um, but yeah, luckily I, I got into UNT and I studied under some, fantastic professors like Dorneth Doherty and Paul Holman. Just, I, I was able to learn a lot and, and make a lot of connections and, and kind of just start to grow my network, you know, and, and community of artists that I could go to and seek advice or guidance and stuff. And I can't speak to a lot of the other photo traditions in Texas cities, but Man, I know that we were blessed with having a lot of great programs and instructors in the DFW area, like Dorneth and Pajo and Susan Grant at 
Texas Women's and uh, Richard Doherty, Peter Ferriston, uh, Luther Smith, Dick Lane, major influences on the kind of photographers coming out of DFW. And yeah, kudos to North Texas photo programs. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think all the colleges that are surrounding the DFW are pretty fantastic. And in Texas, you know, Houston is a hub for uh, photographic work. Yeah, absolutely. Everywhere from the Houston Center of Photography to PhotoFest. But yeah, your familiarity with what's going on in Texas is pretty amazing because we're going to switch gears and talk a little bit about some of your collaborative work. And I'm talking specifically about Deep Red Press. Okay. So, I mean, I, from my own accounting, you've done about 20 features and about as many interviews mm-hmm. going back to like 2018. And that would give you a pretty, yeah, a pretty good sense of what's going on in in Texas and beyond. How yeah. how did that all get started? Yeah, I started Deep Red Press almost five years ago, and it actually started off as like a rotating Instagram account. So I would hand over, you know, the handle, the password to uh, a photographer in Texas, and I would just ask him to share some photographs on there. Um, and then give them like a week. This was kind of, I feel like this was happening a lot around that time, you know, around the kind of early stages of Instagram where you'd see an account and it would have, you know, different artists on there taking pictures of their work or, or paintings or whatever, whatever it may be. Um, so I think I was, I actually had the idea for Deep Red Press like a year prior to that, but I just went through like this stage of just like trying to visualize what it would look like. Um, and then luckily a platform like Instagram kind of made itself a, a perfect like entry point into what I think, you know, what it's grown into now. So I went from like an Instagram to like a Tumblr because now I'm, I'm thinking I, well, now I want to just interview people and talk about work and share their images in this manner. So that way there's like just more, just more content, just more of like a conversation and more things that people can gather from these artists that I'm, you know, like, um, in a way, having a conversation with, right, through photographs. And then after the Tumblr thing, you know, it, it was just like a, an evolutionary process, like, of just problem solving, because I was like, all right, well, the images now look crappy on Tumblr, because, you know, it's so dated, <laughs> yeah. and they don't, let you, they don't let you resize these images, and I want people to really enjoy, like, the, the images that we're sharing. So I just turned to, you know, just creating a full-on website where I can share the images, share the interviews, and then also sell um, some of the bookmaking and photo zines that we were creating as well. So, yeah, it's, it's been it's been an awesome, you know, quote-unquote, like, journey with Deep Red Press and and the following that it's, that it's sort of, gathered across Texas has been pretty, pretty astounding. You know, I'm sometimes I'm surprised myself that it's grown so big, but I'm also not surprised at the same time because all the work that is shared on there is just so good, you know, and it I was going to say, so much of yeah, like a Texas identity that people, I don't think would consider it to be a Texas identity, you know, and, and sure, sure enough, it's here and, and it's alive. Yeah. I, 
I mean, you have some pretty big names on there. You have Marie Hernandez, uh, Julio Cesar Cedillo. You have uh, uh, Tina. Delilah Montoya has been on there. Yeah, I mean, those are pretty pretty strong photographers, and it makes. Uh, and then you know, uh, interviews with Sierra L. Bryan, uh, Diane Durante. Yeah. It's like they're. You you it's a photographer's magazine, man. It's like, yeah, <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? It's like if you're geeking out on photography, this is this is where you need to look. And the photos look really good, both on the website and in the publication. So yeah, that makes it. Thanks. Yeah, that makes that kind of success pretty easy to happen. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It's awesome too. Um, just to see the interest in it grow you know because like I guess I'm like the I'm the designer of it so it makes me feel pretty proud when somebody is somebody reaches out to me because they're interested in like being on the on the platform you know and I'm like oh my god you're like this amazing photographer that I've looked up to for a long time <laughs> so it's it's been it's been awesome man and and yeah I think it I think it looks cool I think it looks great and you know hopefully we can keep it going it's kind of, yeah, with, with the whole COVID and, you know, even my own personal projects, um, I try to find collaborators who, who can help me out with it sometimes. Um, but then also sometimes, you know, it's, it's really like a, a platform that it's left, that is like left up to me, you know, to, to really steer. Yeah. And I don't know if this was pre deep red press or around the same time but man you were like you were on the grind i remember you were carrying around the zine that you made and i think it was photographs of new york your a trip to new york or maybe just like some other international travels do you know what i'm talking about i think it was one of the first uh zines that i it was almost like a flip book it was it was a pretty good size yeah yeah i think i remember yeah, I, yeah. I did make a zine called New York Minute with uh, another photographer friend of mine, and we just compiled some images that we had taken in New York on like separate occasions, you know. But it was just a really good way to, yeah, to sort of introduce like a collaborative zine into both of our practices and and process, you know. And and yeah, you know, to do something fun together. Yeah, was that your first? I mean, was that kind of the first time that you started working with zines? I would say so, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I remember, I think, it was pretty sleek, man. And you really kind of use your your eye to, like, nail down the essence of what you're trying to do. So, it, yeah, I was impressed. Yeah, I've been into zine making for, for several years now. Um, and, yeah, I feel like I just... I get into these things that I don't see happening around me right away, you know, and then it just kind of kicks off from there. I'm like, I want to, I want to introduce this to like, to my community and, you know, to the, to my friends and stuff. So it's always a fun process. And yeah, dude, zine making is so, so DIY too. Like, I feel like it's exactly, it's like the perfect medium for me, you know, cause I'm a skateboarder. I just kind of try to do it all myself, you know? Yeah, you have these series of works where you really go into 
communities and go into subcultures like boxing and skateboarding. Does it start from an interest of yours or is it something that you, you know, interest of yours as in like something that you actively do? I know you skateboard, uh, but... I don't know if you're, you've ever boxed, but is that what led you into the boxing series and the skateboarding series? Um, yeah, I think the entry point is always having an interest to begin with. Just uh, also wanting to see that side from the inside. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it definitely comes from a place where I'm just like, I'm interested in, in you know, in a way being, yeah, being into boxing or I am into skateboarding, but I feel like because I see a lot of similarities between a lot of these, like you said, subcultures, and there are these things that are just sort of not the norm or not the regular and not what like the main uh, stream, you know, population of people are, are interested in or into. So I guess I always gravitate towards things that people find um, to be fulfilling that aren't like, you know, a mainstream sport or, you know, something that is completely conventional. And it, it stems from skateboarding, you know, because I've been a skateboarder for like 15 years. So I think and I find a lot of peace in it, um, if that makes any sense, you know. And so no, it's absolutely. funny that, yeah, and it's funny um, whenever I was doing that boxing photo series it seemed like there was a lot of peace in that boxing gym you know like as chaotic as as it was and as many like sparring matches that there were there was so much there was so much peace in it <laughs> and that shows through in the work man i'm looking at the um like you have this photo of a speed bag against a concrete wall. It's like a red speed bag with like white text. It looks just like a, like an altarpiece, man. It just, for the way that you use the available light, it just kind of accentuates that spirituality and that, that calmness. There are other photographs where the spotlight is on the red canvas of the boxing ring and then there's this, this, yeah, there's this kid in this kind of uh, sparring gesture where it's just like, you know, caught in mid-motion, but it, it has that, that feel of ritual and has that feel of uh, even guys like lacing their, their shoes to get into the ring. But for me, it's the, it's the lighting and the like people being caught in mid-motion and just isolating different parts of the, the gym. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I love that work. Um, yeah, it's almost like a place of worship, right? Like a church or something, which it, in a way it, it truly is for, for these boxers that, that go in there and, you know, blood, sweat, and tears and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean... Blood, sweat, and tears are, are part of a lot of religious practice. You got to have the endurance. You have to show that emotional connection and uh, sort of blood ritual from Catholicism and other rituals that talk about the body. And in the gym, you're, you're talking about how you're using your body in that space too. So 
I can totally make the totally make the connection to religion and like the sacred space that that creates. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm interested in the sacred space as well. I think the work that I've been focused on the last two years has to do with something like that, and it actually goes back to the sort of skateboarding background that I have. You know, this thing. This piece of wood that is on four wheels has been so significant in my life, in my development, um, even in my artistic uh, like career and stuff, and, and the way I see the world. Um, but the last few years, I, I've been going to a skate park and just sort of documenting that sacred space, you know, um, and the people there, and, and the kids that I run into, and the community that is kind of built around that skate park, um, which is called Marie. Yeah, there's one photo there, and every time I see it, I think it's you, but it's it's probably not you. It's like uh, this kid laying down with his eyes closed. He's wearing like a blue shirt, and uh, that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. is that, yeah, that guy looks just like you, like from a certain angle. It's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, and you know what? That's in the, that's in the neighborhood that I grew up in too, in Northside. And surprisingly, yeah, I feel like I don't know if it's some kind of weird time warp or something, but I feel like I run into different versions of myself, like at different stages of uh, different like age range. You know, like that was probably what I looked like at like thirteen years old or something. <laughs> the last two years, I've been work I've been working on that project. You know, and when COVID hit it kind of put it on pause um, and it didn't, it didn't put it on pause completely. It just kind of slowed it down. Um, and I was able to go out there during that time and just continue to, you know, cherish that place. And it's still ongoing now that things are kind of getting back to normal. I'm finding a little bit more time to um, continue that work because it, it really is meaningful to me just, just because it's, you know, it has so much to do with, with me as much as it has to do with, you know, the place itself. I can see that. What do you have coming up, man? Any projects going into exhibition or for Deep Red Press? Yeah, actually, you know, talking about this work, I have a full-on solo show coming up with the Marine Park work that I've been producing at the Latino Cultural Center in Dallas, Texas. And that will be in June, um, so I've been preparing, I've been printing, I've been framing my work and just kind of getting ready for, you know, my first ever solo show. Man, that's a big deal. Thanks, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited, I'm, I'm nervous, but I'm, I'm prepared, you know, and I'm, I think I'm taking all the necessary sort of steps and just making sure my work is, uh, looks good and, and that I'm happy with it, you know? Yeah. Well, I will definitely look forward to that show, man. And it's been such a pleasure just uh, kind of delving in a little bit into your mindset and the kind of work that you're making. It's been a pleasure chatting with you, Raul. Thank you. Take care. <laughs>